This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 399 of the Yale I'm your host Stefan Wutzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's upcoming home match against VfB Stuttgart and we will preview their away trip to Lisbon where they will play sporting and maybe even decide whether they play in a knockout run or not. For that and more joins me once again Matthias Zuck. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? I'm doing well Stefan, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Um, so, funny story, uh, after we recorded the last time, Matthias, um, I dropped my laptop. So, it had to go to the shop and it was very quickly repaired. Uh, uh, it wasn't much damage, to to be honest. Uh, thankfully, the, the hard drive survived, which is the most important part. Nevertheless, it took me almost a week for... Uh, for me to put this episode up, I think I, was it yesterday or the day before? I don't, I don't remember the the last episode. But uh, yeah, here we are again. So apologies for that. Also, my laptop right now is a little bit slower than it was before. Uh, I don't know if you heard the intro lagging, but it appeared as doing so on 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 my end, just because my computer I don't know is overloaded. Maybe it doesn't help that I have 55 tabs open at the same time. But um, yeah, Matthias, uh, before I do anything else, uh, I also have uh, the honor to announce that this episode is sponsored. Wir sind komplett schuldenfrei. Wir zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. And this episode is sponsored by Jordan Hunt at Hunt underscore 1909 on Twitter. And uh, he would like to say that he's very proud of Borussia Dortmund football Twitter because a Twitter friend called Derek at Realandrak has been struggling with mental health recently and the uh, black and yellow admin tweeted to show support and a lot of people have showed support to him as well and of course uh, our support to Derek goes out from us as well. I uh, hope you'll feel better soon. Um, yeah, that's obviously a very nice sponsorship, Matthias. Um, Looking forward to the next game, which is against VfB Stuttgart, I feel like it's maybe almost equal footing. There's a quote from uh, Sven Mislintat, their sporting director, um, listing all their injuries because uh, I think he said with uh, Kalajic, Silas, Fürich and uh, Mamouche, four guys are not available who provided more than 50 goals plus assists last season in the Bundesliga and in the Zweite Liga. And then he added, it's as if Lewandowski, Gnabry, Zani and Müller were out at the same time for Bayern, in which case they wouldn't be so proficient in front of goal. So um, obviously Stuttgart right now are struggling. They're in 15th place. They are coming to Dortmund on a three-game losing streak. And those three games were lost, I believe, against Cologne, uh, Augsburg and Bielefeld. And uh, yeah, so that's not really... Um, you know, <laughs> very successful. And of course, when your best scorers are Mavropanos and Kempf, who are both defenders uh, with three goals apiece, um, you can really see that this team is struggling to create 
uh, action on goal. So Matthias, first question, is this a must-game win for Dortmund as they have to bounce back after the loss against Leipzig? Well, I mean, to not lose ground against Bayern and to further distance themselves from Freiburg, which is a sentence I didn't think I'd be saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you have to win. I, I'll be honest. I mean, I still believe that Freiburg will fall away eventually. Um, but uh, be that as it may, I mean, if you can continue to build up your case for at least having an exceptionally comfortable second place finish, then, yeah, I mean, get as many points as you can now. Of course, we know what happened post-Stuttgart last season, <laughs> roughly around this time of year, uh, which was, of course, Lucien Favre's last match in charge. That debacle, uh, was it 5-0, 5-1? I can't even remember. 5-1. I think Girena scored like a worldie in between, which yes. nobody remembers. <laughs> uh, yeah, because... Everything else was so bad. But of course, uh, different, don't want different Stuttgart than then. Um, you know, you mentioned, I, I would say it's probably, if you're looking at the grand scheme and expectations, this is probably a bigger must win for Stuttgart than Dortmund at this point. So they don't continue to crash down the table. What's helping Stuttgart is, of course, that um, Augsburg are playing against Bayern. On Friday, even if Bayern still has a few players out due to quarantine, oh, really? uh, that, that Bayern uh, got the Friday possibly. game after an international break. Yes, man, I they know, got dicked over basically shocked. by the DFL. When does this happen? Usually, it's Dortmund that has to, yeah, or everybody suffer. else. Yeah, wow. everybody else. <laughs> huh. Well, maybe the DF, DFL just felt like by this time <laughs> Bayern are going to be so comfortable <laughs> in first place, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I love but, how I mean, you, tin heads are always firmly yeah, done. <laughs> of course. It's fine. It's fine. But of course, you mentioned uh, Stuttgart's woes and, you know, Mavropanos and Kempf as their top goal scorers, both of which are injured. You know, I mean, they have a very thin defensive squad anyway uh, to begin the season with. And you lose two of your starters and things start looking pretty bad. Um, I mean, I kind of looked at how they're, they lined up against, and their one nil loss to Arminia Bielefeld. That says a lot right there because Bielefeld can't score to save their lives. And apparently Stuttgart are even worse. Um, and Stuttgart got absolutely trounced by Augsburg, uh, not too long ago. I actually did watch that match and it's a, it's, a, um, um, let's just say Pellegrino put together a rather interesting formation, <laughs> Um, and line up, uh, let's call it an asymmetric three, a lot of players, and then a striker. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was a weird thing because, again, he's struggling for players, uh, as we well know. They're struggling for form on top of that. You can't compensate losing every goal threat. I mean, uh, they they talked about, you know, if every attacker for, for Bayern uh, were gone, but it's really like you saying, well, okay, Dortmund, we're going to take away, uh, we already, you know, you've lost Holland. Well, let's take away Royce and Hazard and Daniel Mann. Oh, okay, maybe not Mann, but <laughs> a lot of the other players um, and see how you can conjure up goals. So it's, I would say it's probably the most comfortable I've been ahead of a Stuttgart match in a long time. Because Stuttgart, for some reason, always gives Dortmund troubles. Well, they still have Dortmund killer David Didavi. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, one player a team does not make. Well, I mean, and look at Kali Jury, what he has 
made out of his... Not this season, but not this season. All right. I feel like Dortmund kind of broke that duck this season, and it's still everything around him. I mean, we talk about Dortmund over the last few weeks having to kind of throw together a back line. I feel looking at it now, I don't know if Guerrero is going to be fit enough to start to start the match, but he's back in training. He's no longer listed as injured. According to kicker, nice he sign. is. According to kicker, he, is. he 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 will be fully yeah. fit, and Dahoud and Emre Can will at least be expected to to be included in the squad, but maybe not starting material just yet. But uh, who knows? That's just kicker's reporting. Uh, well, I I, I guess uh, Rose has to look deep into Guerrero's eyes just uh, on on Friday to determine whether he's actually fit enough or not. We'll see. Well, and you also can't forget there's that extremely important match coming a few days later. So it's all about trying to do man management. So maybe Stuttgart is coming at the right time, given their current rather fragile state. So maybe you start Guerrero or you bring him on later, depending on how the match goes. It's I wouldn't play him for full 90, in no. my opinion. I, I think that no. would be... Uh, a crazy risk at this point. I mean, the next um, games are Sporting, Wolfsburg, and Bayern. I don't know if there, there there might be even a Champions League game in between the Bayern game. So, I'm 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 so I'm theor- so well informed. Theoretically, right now. shouldn't there? Theoretically, there should be. Um, but I mean, you've got options. You can throw Zagadou back on the pitch uh, for for a while. <laughs> well, so I mean, the, the situation. Like muscular of course, he strain. did. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but still, I mean, Dortmund has more options now slightly than Stuttgart. I feel like Stuttgart have virtually no options and that, that definitely helps because (laughs) one, one thing, you know, when you're looking at this as a coach from a tactical aspect is what type of flexibility does the opposition have? What can they create? What can they do? How predictable are they? And you could say when Dortmund were even further decimated, there was a certain predictability there because you only had so many options that that Marco Rosa could throw out there and so many variations of play. Well, Stuttgart, those options have shrunk even further. And and I think that that plays to, to Dortmund's, I don't know the strengths, but at least it gives them an edge. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, we've talked a lot about how good Dortmund's squad depth is and how at some point uh, even that is, is strained due to all the injuries, but Stuttgart certainly do not have the same squad depth. I mean, they're uh, a team that just got out of the Zweite Bundesliga like two years ago for crying out loud. So, um, yeah, and obviously they, they did lose their best player to Dortmund. Um, <laughs> so this is definitely the Gregor Kobe revenge game. Um more for Stuttgart than for Dortmund, I feel like. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, uh, I I think it, it should be a, a big advantage. I mean, Stuttgart really, I've I've seen them a couple of times. I wouldn't say I've seen every game of them. But uh, for example, the, the match against Bielefeld was just completely dire and abject. And if, I, I mean, the the other problem they have is that that Endo, their team captain, who was one of their best players, I feel like, uh, you know, he might be strained from the international break as well because he obviously has to travel a lot of miles. So, um, y- you know, just adding to all these injuries that should get also just have, you know, a lot of uh, strain on that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what uh, Mangala did, uh, whether he played for Belgium or not, but uh, 
yeah, he definitely um, is also a very good player in midfield. But around that, you know, there's not much that I I really rate that highly, to be honest. Like there are two, three players where I say, yep, they're a good Bundesliga caliber, but otherwise. Um, yeah, it's stretched very thin right now and Dortmund, I think, need to absolutely take advantage, especially since it's a home match. And uh, also, just to add, I uh, just checked and Dortmund actually do not play anyone between the Wolfsburg and the Bayern game. So, um, okay. Yeah, Besiktas comes afterwards. Well, good. I mean, that, that definitely helps a lot. Yeah, for Bayern to recuperate. <laughs> <sighs> You know, and I was just getting to be optimistic. Oh, well. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, um, no, but uh, yeah, I think I feel like when it comes to getting a break, uh, I think Dortmund uh, are more in dire need of those than, than Bayern at the moment. So um, you can feel optimistic about that. But I mean, first, Dortmund need to take care of business against high-flying Wolfsburg and uh, Kofeld. So <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, Stuttgart, I think, is going to be, well, let's put it this way. I hope it's going to be one of those games after the international break that are not spectacular, but Dortmund just get the job done, have a, you know, what we call an Arbeitssieg and uh, get it over with. You know, I'm hoping for very uneventful 90 minutes where Dortmund score one, two, three goals, and that's it. You know, there's not much... I'm I'm hoping there's not much defensive calamity and uh, Dortmund have a lot of possession and maybe don't push the hardest, but it's enough to create the few chances they need to overcome Stuttgart, maybe even score early like they did, for example, against Mainz and then just cruise home. That would be my ideal game against Stuttgart, to be honest. I don't need, you know, the, the big shellacking, the uh, revenge from the 5-1 from last season or, or anything. I just need a solid... Uh, I don't know, two nothing, three nothing, or something like that. Win and uh, get it over with. You know, I'll I'll take any win, obviously, but uh, this is how I would uh, ideally see this game go. So um, I think it's positive that Marco Reus, for example, did not have to play against Armenia. That he only uh, Armenia, <laughs> so that he uh, not uh, you know is is not too strained after the international break. Julian Brandt, I think, stayed. Uh, a little bit longer, but he didn't get too many minutes either. So he should be in in a good form and maybe even, uh, you know, get some confidence boost from uh, the international break. Uh, who knows? So, yeah, I'm I'm really optimistic about this game. Probably more so because of Stuttgart's malaise than uh, than uh, Dortmund. But obviously having Giriru back and uh, you know Dahoud and Jan on the uh, bench at least, and of course, I think Zagadu is available as well. Um, things are looking already much, much different. And I've not heard of any injuries from the international break so far, so that's a miracle there as well. Yeah, that was the one thing I was always kind of looking at, especially when you factor in that, uh, you know, Manuel Akanji and Switzerland had some very, very key matchups. Um, Didn't then- they qualify over Italy? Uh, yes, they did as group winners, and that uh, made this Swiss house very, very happy. Yeah, so uh, I didn't even know until I went to my favorite uh, pasta place in Philadelphia. Uh, shout out to Damo Pasta Lab. <laughs> they make 
awesome world class ragu, and uh, I'm uh, addicted to it. So I need to have it weekly. It's uh, probably way too expensive, uh, but uh, nevertheless, my wife and I uh, go there once a week or so. So if you're in the Philadelphia area, check it out. But uh, yeah, so anyway, they are obviously uh, all from uh, Italy and uh, passionate Italy fans. And I was like, oh God, my pasta gonna take <laughs> gonna taste shitty now because it's not cooked with the same love as it usually is. Um, but uh, yeah, what was it? The Squalid Dragons, Northern Ireland, that sort of uh, put the first nail into into the uh, European Champions coffin. Uh, interesting uh, that development. Uh, I've not really uh, followed the international games much, to be honest. But that I think is quite of a shock result. And uh, yeah, Switzerland. Uh, you know, did did Kobe play? Do you know that by any chance? Since you are uh, so Swiss Swiss affiliated. Did he even travel? I've you know, I'm I'm spacing that right now. <laughs> Absolutely, completely, to be honest. <laughs> completely, uh, I have completely spaced that. Those are my favorite yellow wall put moments when I ask you a question about something you maybe should know. <laughs> I had no idea. It's, it's been a long week. It's been a really long week. Um, I don't know. I, I saw a picture of Kobel playing for the Swiss national team, but I wasn't sure whether... Um, not that in the last his... match, no. No, 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 sorry. No, no, no. Last match, it was Jan Zoma. Okay. It was Jan Zoma in goal against Bulgaria that they absolutely shellacked. But I mean, Zoma is is by far the de facto number one. So Is, is Kobe a, a part of the uh, Swiss squad yet? Because, I mean, they have a lot of keepers. Um, He is not. Uh, at least he wasn't against Bulgaria. But for the most part, he is not. There are a few other... Uh, younger keepers even and some other ones that they just have as backup um, you know they did against Bulgaria a few that I honestly have never even heard of because um, I can't watch Swiss league matches but fair enough fair enough but isn't it crazy that Switzerland has so many good goalkeepers meanwhile oh, yeah. uh, Mexico you know looking at them recently still have to uh, contend with uh, Ochoa who I don't know has been terrible for like the last decade or so and uh, Mexico, obviously, a big soccer nation. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I find it always funny how, how these things are distributed. Um, that Switzerland, of all places, is churning out really good goalkeepers these days. You know, I would even count Buki in, in that breath because I personally rate him much higher than I would Ochoa. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, Ochoa was great in at his peak, um, but or I mean, he was he was decent at his peak. Yeah, I was but, just gonna say, um, great. Let's let's pump the brakes a little here. Yeah. So the the backups for Jan Zoma at least this last round were Kuhn, who's the keeper for Salzburg, and Omlin, who is the keeper for Montpellier. Just had to quickly check actually because <laughs> now I was curious. Um, but no, nobody else kind of traveled with him, and that's fine. I mean. Uh, Zoma, Zoma is so good. You know, there's, it, it's kind of like, you know, Kobe is like Switzerland's testigen. It's just sitting there going, really? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> um, even though, of course, uh, testigen played against Armenia in a match that was completely meaningless. So you can tell this was an international break and a slow news week because <laughs> we're like talking Swiss national team and, 
you know, Ochoa for Mexico and so on. But um, I like I to did. go off on a tangent. I can't say that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, but before we get to, well, first, you know, we need to talk about our predictions against Stuttgart because I feel like we've probably said everything we need to say. Yeah. Um, but but the other thing is there are a lot of the, the rumors around Karim Adeyemi to Dortmund are heating up supposedly. I saw this, I think this morning, that uh, he definitely has decided to not go to Bayern, uh-huh. whatever that means. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very coy about these uh, uh, news reports. I, I don't know. I've, I don't know who, who's leaking that, but uh, maybe it's just uh, the agent trying to get more money. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's something to it. Um, what, but Matthias, I've read something else that might indicate a little bit more of what being to it, and uh, that's a report that Dortmund are contemplating a loan of Yusuf Mokoko, and uh, I wanted to get your opinion on that because, in the context of them signing Adeyemi, I think uh, this could actually make sense. Yes. If Adeyemi comes in, obviously then Mukoko drops even further down the pecking order. I feel if he gets loaned out to, I would be hesitant to say another Bundesliga side, more maybe uh, Zweite Bundesliga or the Netherlands. Uh, also because of in the Netherlands and the Eredivisie, how well they work with young players and develop them tactically and technically, that's really what you would then need from a loan move for Mukoko. Not just playing time. Obviously, that's very important. But that also, if you're not going to be the ones to be able to manage him for six to 18 months, depending on how long a loan deal is, in my opinion, an 18-month loan would probably be the best deal. Six months, you can't really get much out of. Then I would you know, look at a league like the Netherlands or Belgium or the Zweite Bundesliga before anything else and i that's in my gut would tell me that's the most likely scenario yeah no that makes all sense to me to be honest so um yeah i can see that happening uh do do you do you think it would be possible that Dortmund actually loan him out to salzburg you know i didn't even think about that um but it could be possible. I mean, maybe as a semi swap in the sense of, you know, to drop, drive the price down a little bit, say we get Adeyemi and then for 18 months, because for six months, again, that just doesn't, wouldn't make no. sense for, for Salzburg to say for 18 months, you then get Yusuf Mokoko. Uh, that actually would be a very smart move from both clubs. As much as I disdain Red Bull, whether it's in Germany or, or Switzerland, Brazil, you name uh sorry, Austria, even though Switzerland's probably next, who knows? Um <laughs> is, you know, you know, their training is very good. It, it's in line with coaching style of Marco Rose, of course, as a former uh, Salzburg coach. And their facilities are top notch. So yeah, that's that would be a, that would be is another a really one. beautiful place on top yes, of it all. Yes. Absolutely. If you, if, if you can uh, enjoy some Apfelstrudel with the view of the Alps, uh, you know, you, you're in a good place. <laughs> yes, my, my honeymoon was spent there, so oh, I really? can definitely attest to that. All right. Yeah, well, no, we picked the warmer climate. We went to uh, Hawaii, but uh, yeah, we 
when when Dortmund uh, played in Salzburg for that uh, infamous uh, Europa League loss against one Marco Rose, I think it was a two nothing win, uh, two nothing loss from Dortmund's perspective. Uh, yeah, uh, my wife and I made it like a extended weekend sort of, and uh, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Can only recommend the trip to Salzburg. All right, I feel like we have a lot of advertisements today, <laughs> from from pasta to <laughs> to to travel. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious what what comes next. Uh, yeah, so uh, predictions, Matthias. Uh, I, I'm I've sort of said my wish prediction before, and I'm just gonna stick to it. I think double will win this three nothing. Yeah, I was I was leaning towards a three nil as well. All right. So, um, do you want to talk more about Adam Adeyemi now or later? I would say later. I mean, right now it's conjecture and hot rumors, of course. Um, and then, of course, there's the rumor that popped up today about uh, Witzel leaving to Newcastle. Okay. It's been a very interesting choice. Isn't Favre heading sides. to Newcastle? So who the, no, Eddie Howe got appointed ah. as manager at Newcastle. Also a very interesting choice. Um, but, you know, whatever. I have no idea who that is. I'm, I'm completely uh, Eddie Howe, he brought Bournemouth up from the bottom of League Two ah. all the way up into the Premier League and actually kept them there for a few See, seasons. I should have known that because a friend of mine is a Cherries fan. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it, it, interesting. I mean... I've I've said it before on this show. I think if you, you know, even get some good money for for Witzel, I, I think his his stint at Dortmund is technically over. You know, I I feel like it's only on the decline. As as much as I like him, yes. Um, I just I just feel like this whole thing is coming to an end, and both parties probably know it. So um yeah Juventus or uh, Newcastle feel feels like uh, it's barcodes either way <laughs> for Witze. um yeah uh, we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, yeah keep that keep your finger on that pulse while uh, I completely slack and not uh, look for transfer rumors whatsoever um yeah I don't look for them Stefan apparently they, <laughs> they just find me at okay. five in the morning in front of my phone and a cup of coffee so <laughs> talk about unhealthy habits anyway <laughs> moving on to sporting <laughs> right Lisbon also a really beautiful travel destination I can tell you from first-hand experience even though I went to uh, Benfica which uh, is probably the the uh, Estadio de, de Luz or whatever it's called uh, it's probably the more uh the, the the better experience overall. I mean, you, you you see a live eagle flying around, which is pretty freaking amazing. Um, but Matthias, obviously, um, this is a crucial game for the old black and yellows. Now, the good news, at least uh, for for Dortmund, is that uh, the rules of the Champions League group stage have somewhat changed, and goal difference is no longer the tiebreaker. But first, it is um, the head-to-head comparison which means that Dortmund go through if they win this game and don't, don't have to worry about the Besiktas game whatsoever. That also means that Dortmund uh, will also survive with the draw against Sporting and uh, a win against Besiktas will definitely go through. Now, it will get a little tricky if Dortmund lose, but uh, lose 2-1 to one or so, so they sort of have that uh, away goal, then they will have to hope that Ajax beats Sporting as well. And uh, they beat Besiktas, so um, 
yeah, it's a it's a bit tricky, but um, I think it's at least somewhat reassuring that a draw will see Dortmund alive after this game. Um, obviously Dortmund uh, haven't really had any draws this season yet, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, uh, at, at at least it's not uh, the scenario where they uh, don't win that they're completely out of it. So to to me, that's a positive. So I, I guess I appreciate the change for once. Um, I also think the head-to-head makes a bit more sense than the, the goal difference. I don't know how how you see that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, a head-to-head, especially in a small group, you know, where you only have four teams, uh, obviously that to me would make the most sense because, you know, you played against each other and that should be the the tiebreaker as it is in the next round. Uh, when it comes to like a long season like the Bundesliga and so on, I think their goal difference is more important than head-to-head just because of the time difference, you know, that elapses between head-to-head matchups. So, no, I, I, I applaud the the head-to-head scenario, which obviously means sporting thrashing Besiktas and uh, Dortmund getting thrashed by Ajax both have virtually no meaning beyond the points won or lost. Yeah, obviously, if, if Sporting uh, win by two or more goals against Dortmund, then they are through and this whole thing is over. But um, yeah, you know, those are the risks. I mean, Dortmund uh, arguably could have, should have uh, taken a point or all three in the home match against Ajax. But, uh, you know, Michael Oliver had other ideas. So, yeah, here we are then. <laughs> and uh, I'm really interested to see how this goes because A, it's an away game um, and B, Sporting were really unimpressive in the first matchup. You know, when they came to Dortmund, they didn't really do much uh, for the game. I don't think they had any attacking exploits and it was probably one of the most relaxing wins for Dortmund and obviously it was the one that was decided uh, by Daniel Mahlen, which is his uh, obviously most important Goal for Dortmund yet, and I think also the only one if I if I'm counting correctly. So, uh, Matthias, obviously we both are not the keenest followers of uh, Portuguese soccer, but um, what are you? What are your hopes and fears going into this game? Well, my fear is Sebastian Coates scoring off of a corner, and then them going low block and Dortmund not getting through because they don't have Erling Holland. Um, that's, that's my, my biggest fear. That's obviously their biggest threat as it was in the first match. Um, I mean, Sebastian Coates, I don't know if it's Coates or Coates, whatever. I'm going to say Coates, former Liverpool player, um, you know, from set pieces, he's always dangerous and he seems to be one, even though he's a defender that keeps on cropping up for sporting in these matches, which says a lot about sporting's approach to a degree. It'll be interesting in general because Sporting are in an exceptionally tight uh, race in Portugal right now. I mean, they're tied first place with Porto. Uh, Goal difference, making the difference there. And they're one point ahead of Benfica. And this weekend, it's not a big deal. All three clubs play mid-table sides. But then on the weekend after the match against uh, Borussia Dortmund, if I saw it correctly... um, no, I didn't. Sorry, <laughs> I jumped ahead one week. Dang it. Thought I had some insight here. Ah, they played Benfica. Right 
Yeah, they they play against Benfica, but still, I mean, they are in a, a tighter uh, league race than Dortmund. So I don't know if that has any ramifications. Both teams want and need to advance advance into the next round um, of the Champions League financially. It'd be huge for both. Um, so I mean, this this does have a feeling of a final knockout match. For, for both teams, maybe give a slight edge, edge to Sporting because they're playing at home and don't want to have, don't have Holland. And they're going to be very, very hard to break down. Uh, that is one thing that I believe uh, will be a problem for Dortmund. And the biggest fear then, of course, is Dortmund gets sucked in to that camping mentality and then get hit on a break or with a stupid sad piece. The problem is obviously that ever since Sporting lost one nothing to Dortmund. They've won every nine of their games, uh, including obviously the 1-4 and 4 nothing wins against Besiktas. So uh, yeah, they're in excellent form. They have confidence and a winning streak, which Dortmund, uh, to this date of the recording, do not have. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's going to get very tense. You know, the atmosphere is probably going to be uh, pumping, and uh, yeah, something obviously I really wanted to avoid. And uh, before Dortmund fell apart uh, <laughs> completely uh, to due to injuries, I honestly assumed that they would um, be in a better position after the two ties against Ajax, but. Uh, you know, this is also nice about the Champions League uh, that these games actually do matter and uh, you play against good teams of uh, a high European caliber and, uh, you know, things are at stake. To to me, I know it's not anything you necessarily must have uh, during the group stage, but uh, it's also something that uh, makes me look forward to it. So um, I don't know about you, but... Strategy-wise, I'm really intrigued how, how Dortmund approached this one because they don't have to win. They A draw is enough for them. So it's not like uh, Sporting can just sit back and, and relax because they will have to score something eventually. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether this actually can play into Dortmund's cards. Um, to me, the key player for this game is uh, undoubtedly Julian Brandt. Because uh, if Jan or Dahoud are not uh, capable of playing in, in this game, um, to to me, if if he manages to have a good game, to have some um, uh, good passes and not have a pass completion rate of like thirty five percent, and uh, s some control uh, also against pressing, I I think uh, Dortmund will manage to uh, outplay Sporting. Um, I'll be honest about that. And if there's one observation that I've made, and I will generalize ter terribly now, but uh, against Portuguese teams, I feel like there are always these tactical flaws they commit against Dortmund where they leave key players open too much. Uh, Julian Brandt could be the benefactor from this. Uh, I know against uh, Benfica, they left uh, Julian Weigel glaringly open back in the day. And uh, I think in the other game, they they also didn't really put too much pressure on our midfielders. Um, so if if that's the case again, and Sporting play in a similar fashion as they did in Dortmund, then uh, I'm actually not concerned at all about Dortmund getting a result. 
Yeah, if they play a no press game, uh, which I think is how one would classify the the first matchup between the two, and give Dortmund time on the ball and let Dortmund be comfortable on the ball, then yeah, Sporting's going to lose uh, or at the very least not win. If they get very uncomfortable for Dortmund in terms of aggression sitting on Dortmund's feet and Dortmund don't leave big gaps defensively or, like I said, um, commit fouls in around the box or especially in, but around the box for uh, stupid set pieces, then, yeah, this this should play into Dortmund's favor. Yeah. All right. So uh, I don't have that much more to say because, frankly, I don't know who will be uh, fit and ready after this Stuttgart game. Um, it's Wednesday game too, so um, there's almost a whole week in between uh, today and, and this game. And uh, theoretically, I could have done like an extra episode uh, just to preview this game, but um, right right now I just have so much work to do. I, I just don't, I'm not finding the time to be honest. So uh, Matthias, un- unless you have any more insight on sporting, just uh, go ahead and predict this game. I do not, because obviously, well, I when I tried to fake it, it completely fell apart <laughs> in front of our listeners' ears, so to speak. Um, so, I would not fake it. I thought I had something, and then I looked at the date and looked at my calendar and went, "Ah, crap, that's a week later." But it should be a great game, Benfica against Sporting. Um, aside from that, I think Dortmund are going to win this one, uh, one nil. All right, I'm I'm saying Dortmund win this two to one. So there, I'm I'm coming out of the international break with two optimistic predictions, two Dortmund Ws. So what more do we want? <laughs> so uh, that's 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 all I have to offer. I don't I don't know. Maybe uh, um, the the return of of some key players uh, makes me more optimistic. Um, there's even been some. I don't know if if it's a rumor or or reporting that there is a chance that Haaland will be fit for the Bayern game. Um, I don't know um, how his uh, comeback is going, but uh, if that were true, obviously that would be huge. I don't know if he would be uh, able to start right away, but uh, you know, even even if he's just there as a as a sub for like thirty minutes or so, or twenty minutes, even even that I think w- could make a difference. I don't know, but uh, obviously always better to have Haaland than to not have Haaland. As uh, you know, I find no more obvious statements, and I think that's a good time to end this. So, Matthias, um, please tell our listeners uh, where to uh, find you on the old Twitter webs. Uh, yes, you can harass me, uh, though I'd prefer you not to. <laughs> at Matthiasuk. <laughs> yeah, no harassing at Stefan Butzko on Twitter, please. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well at Yellow Wallpot. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And uh, yeah, if you want to support us financially as uh, Jordan Hunt did, then go to at patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And yeah, yeah, we shall be back uh, after those two games with a preview of the Wolfsburg match. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how things go until then. So uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say other than, uh, as always, thank you for listening. And goodbye.